0: The pandemic, social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to the John DePetro Show.
1: It's John DePetro on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Folks, you can always listen online at the website, which is petro.com It's Monday. We are in the spring. Uh, folks, some of the things we're going to be talking about number one, situation at the, at the border, it's a crisis. Uh, President Biden doesn't want to acknowledge it, but it is getting worse. Uh, And part of it is messaging people. It was pretty dramatic over the weekend. ABC's this week as they were interviewing different people and they were using translators saying, what is it that made you come? And they said, because Biden is in office, it's messaging. It is them basically saying it's okay to come. It's an open border. It's what I've told you about. President Trump was a deterrent president trump in office as much as people knocked him for the tough talk you know what it did it kept people from just venturing in and on top of that they also changed the policy there was the policy where they stay you had to stay in mexico and they you that you weren't allowed in the country what they're doing right now is they're basically letting people come it's catch and release where they come into the country they give them a court date but folks they gone they they go into the system who knows where they end up You can't find them again. It's a disaster. It's a disgrace. It's by design. What the Biden administration is doing is instead of trying to work through legislation in Congress, they're not. They're just not enforcing the border. It's an open border right now. Uh, Rhode Island has to be careful. Rhode Island is one of those places that we have sanctuary cities. Providence is a big sanctuary city. Central Falls is a big sanctuary city. Pawtucket's a big sanctuary city. It's really a sanctuary state. But you have different cities, especially places like Providence Central Falls and Pawtucket, that triangle right there. They cater to them. They encourage them to come in. Uh, they, uh, Providence Central Falls even worse because they allowed, they're allowed to vote. Pawtucket, pretty much the same. This is a problem that needs to be dealt with. And uh, coming up on Thursday now, President Biden's going to have his first full presidential briefing. Um, you know, so everyone is expected that he's going to get caught short and maybe kind of Forget his place. I think people have to remember that. In some ways, they're pretty scripted as far as, and and let me be clear. President Bush used to do it. They, as far as just the line of, there's, let's just say there's twelve reporters or fifteen even. Well, anyway, it's all in order. So they know number one, the first question is going to go to the reporter from the Washington Post, and then the second question will go to cbs and then the third question goes to the new york times and then the fourth question goes to like the you know associated press so it's somewhat organized like that obviously a lot of people think that president biden after we saw his stumble on the the stairs on on on, uh, friday that he's just going to be i i i I don't know i don't know what to expect um but we're going to find out on thursday but the situation with the border is very serious and also now, a couple of weeks ago, I had asked uh, the education commissioner, Fonte Green, where things stand with the Providence teachers contract. She said, oh, we're in the ninth inning, ninth inning of negotiations. Well, that is not true. Uh, Boston Globe breaks a story this morning that, in fact, that they the teachers union has taken a confidence vote against the education commissioner and the superintendent. So they are in a uh, full scale war right now. So I don't know what that was. She was either misleading to us or she's a complete, does not have a handle on the situation. Uh, But it is certainly not in the ninth inning. But the situation with the border is serious. And especially, you know, folks here in Rhode Island, keep in mind, a big worry is that they're going to, we're going to lose a congressional seat because of declining population. So we would be down to one congressional seat. There was a push to try to, if you remember, try to get more people to move here. So what do you think happens when thousands of people are pouring over the border every day? A lot of the people in some of those communities, again, are Providence, Protected Central Falls. They're reaching out and telling relatives and friends and uh, all these people, come to Rhode Island. You're safe here. You can live here illegally. You can vote. You get all services. No one's going to question you. You can be protected. Um, the state, we have to decide, you know, listen, it's wrong, number one. Number two, we can't afford to take any more care of, uh, we can't, we can't afford to take care of more people, put it that way. We're having uh, the state's having a tough enough time trying to take care of, you know, the people that are already here, let alone having uh, even more people pour into the mix. So we're going to talk about that and a lot more. And I don't know about you. I've really been enjoying NCAA March Madness. Uh, I sat down over the weekend and and was watching some games Beginning to end, and it's the first time I've done that in a very, very long time, and it was very enjoyable. So, folks, it's the John DePietro Show right here on this Monday. A lot more ahead. Well, it's a challenge to run your business these days. Maybe you need to find the right type of workers. Why not let MEGA professionals find them for you? Call MEGA professionals today, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 508 336 508- Three, three, six, seventy eight, O one.
2: that's 401-321-2799 or find karen on the web at www.innovast.com
1: we're in an accident someone hits your vehicle it's damaged in some way pick up the phone and call west fountain auto body 401-272-3340 they're located 400 west fountain street in providence folks as you're riding along you just never know Folks, you're listening to the John DePetro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, which is DiPietro.com. It's time for Politics This Week with me. He is the managing editor at OceanStateCurrent.com. It is Justin Katz. Justin, I want to start off. It was – I'll pull up the, the, uh, the audio. But uh, it was three weeks ago. <clears throat> we were at a briefing. And uh, I think it was the first full briefing where Dean Governor McKee was, in fact, the new governor. And on stage with him was uh, Angelica and Fonte Green, Education Commissioner, also Dr. Scott and so forth. And I asked her about the uh, Providence Teachers Contract. And at that briefing, of which, again, I will pull up the sound, I uh, I phrased it uh, to the Education Commissioner. I don't know if you remember, but I said, if this was a nine-inning game, where are we in the... The contract negotiation and at that time on stage three weeks ago at an official briefing education commissioner uh afonte green said oh we're in the ninth inning we're very very close well now we're in the spring fast forward three weeks later and uh the boston globe breaks the story that apparently over the weekend the union now has taken a vote of no confidence against her in the school superintendent school superintendent harrison peters And Justin Katz, we're coming up on the two year anniversary. It was uh, May. Think of that May of 2019 with the Wall Street Journal had the scathing John Hopkins report info and story on it, just how bad it was. And uh, I mean, to me, I don't know what she's talking about ninth inning, but it certainly doesn't sound like that close to a deal to me. (laughs)
0: <laughs> no, not at all. Although you do wonder what's going on in the, in the background. And it's one of the reasons I've certainly advocated for open negotiations so the public can have a better sense of what's going on. If if she yeah. was saying that, and I have enough, I, I do believe she would have given you, I mean, maybe she was being too optimistic, but I believe if she thought we were still in the first or second in, inning, she would have said as much. Uh, we still have a lot of work to do, et cetera. Um, so it's entirely possible that in an ordinary course of negotiations, she legitimately thought that they were very close, and then this is like a a last minute pull the rug out from under the the uh the secretary by the union um so it's it's i'd like I'd love to know what's what's really going on in the background there and I think it is a good example of of the way you you almost can't really negotiate in good faith with these powerful labor unions in government. In, in the government business, they they can hire a new governor. They can force out education commissioners. We've seen that happen, especially with Deborah Gist. They can undermine policies they don't like through politics, and so they're not going to negotiate fairly. They're going to maybe they'll string you along for months on end until you think you're close, and then if they don't like it, they have a vote of no confidence. So um, I think it's a it creates an interesting political. Situation, especially with a new governor who's who's on one hand looking for looking to secure his his actual election to the government governor's office in a couple of years, but on the other hand is a big advocate for at least charter schools as far as school choice goes. So it it's it it'll be interesting to see what happens here. Uh, but it is I I'm I don't know I I, I feel like uh, there ought to be a lot more public outcry to me about a move like this, which seems to come kind of out of nowhere it's not as if we've been hearing months and months of these negotiations are going downhill etc uh so it, it just it's just such a a sledgehammer blow from the labor union to try to to curry some favor Yeah, you know, at some point people have got to get outraged as you said it, we're two years now two years that's half it's half of a high school career of a new a student who was an incoming freshman that's after right. that after that report came out that the schools were failing Providence students. At some point, the public's got to say enough. <laughs> and so if I were in Fante Green, I'd, my inclination would be to wear this as a badge. All right, no confidence, great. I don't want you to have confidence in me because I'm trying to fix the problem you created. That should be the attitude. I don't, I don't think we'll see it, especially with McKee needing the union support in a couple of years. Well,
1: that's, that's a big factor. And again, back to the globe, uh, Dan McGowan writes when the vote, while the vote is largely symbolic, now, again, folks, this is the province Teachers Union to take a vote of no confidence against the education commissioner and the brand new superintendent. It signals this, this is how toxic the relationship between the union and the state have become. Uh, the union also said that a lot of the teachers, they wanted to take the vote back in the fall. And then again, uh, in the story, it says the battle between the Teachers Union and the Rhode Island Department of Education is now a full-fledged war. The fact that they wanted to take it back in the fall and the fact that he uses words like "full-fledged war" and "toxic," see, Justin. I go back to: if I'm Governor McKee, um, you, you have to know where you are in a situation. If if the education, if the education commissioner, <clears throat> if she really thought they were in the ninth inning, about to firm up and just make sure all the eyes were dotted and t's were crossed, if she really thought they were that far along, because after she said that. I heard from people that I know like she is delusional. Like we're nowhere near a contract. So it, neither one are good. Either one, you completely don't have a handle on the situation because they're not close to a deal. Or or two, you're you're giving a false impression to the public in the new governor. She seemed to me she seemed kind of nervous at that press briefing. Again, I, I support her and her elements of reform, but it doesn't help. It's uh, it's basically you know, if you have a patient, and and uh, and you're the doctor, and you you're telling the family, oh no, they're getting better, and then you know they slip into a coma. An important part of a negotiation is is having an honest understanding of where you are in a negotiation.
0: Oh, that, that's for sure. But I I tend to I wonder if. Rhode Island's negotiating laws with the public, especially with teachers' unions, are are crazy. They're, they're yes. something you would set up in a, as a if you're trying to govern a lunatic asylum with the, yes. the with the lunatics having a say in who manages the facility. And I so, you know, it's it's hard to know what was being said, what impressions were being given, what she was trying to accomplish by saying that. Uh, I mean. If if we go back, I'm just remembering now. If we go back to when she was first hired, you and I were talking yep. about. You know, I I was saying she needs to be out there getting public support. It's going yes. to become political. You cannot yep. work with these people. What, what she needs is. She needed to start back then building public support, so that when the union said, it took a vote of no confidence in her, a largely symbolic vote, the parents could take a largely symbolic vote. We have no confidence in a teachers' union. That's right. what she needs, and so that's definitely not served by saying you're in the ninth inning when you when you are not. But it's possible she. I mean, there there may be factions within the union. There may be. Uh, it may be a union strategy to keep her off foot and think she's closer than she is who knows. But uh so I've, I've been saying all along, she needs to be stronger and, and be more oppositional, but, you know, people come in, you hire these secretaries uh, from out of state. Uh, they come in thinking they can work with people and they really can't, the experience in Rhode Island is. And so, yeah, I, I think you're right. If, if she, I, but I, I think you're right that she shouldn't be soft pedaling it or and no. or she should have a better sense of what's going on. But yeah, I, one of the two, I, think I can kind of understand a motivation if it's if this is accurate of trying to work with people who you can't work with. So I, I do have some sympathy for that. But we really the kids in Providence don't have time for this.
1: No. And I um I, I'll even be honest. And again, folks, uh, speaking with Justin Katz. meaning you get our oceanstatecart.com. A segment is politics this week. I'm not convinced she's staying. It was Governor Armando that brought her in. Uh, You know, the dynamic and the landscape has changed. It was her and Governor Armando that pushed for the state takeover. And then the pandemic hit. You know, she was out there after the John Hopkins report and having parent meetings and community meetings. You can't do those in a pandemic. This has all been virtual. Um, I'm not convinced she's staying. You also, you don't, the Biden, the teachers unions across the country have absolutely steamrolled over Biden. By refusing to go back into the classroom, no matter how much money he throws at them, you had Ramundo's nomination and maybe potentially her chance to at least make the final four for the VP was shot down by the teachers union. Uh, you know, McKee, he'd like to be elected governor next year. I, I don't think he wants to go to full scale war. Uh, with, with I know he, he doesn't seem to. The what, the first thing he announced was the teachers were going to get vaccinated first, even though you're right. He has spoken out and we're going to talk about that about charter schools. I don't know what's going to happen here. I do know, you know, apparently the, the Providence teachers, you, you can't get rid of them uh, because Raimondo signed that Evergreen contract provision that's now law. The contract never ends. So they don't have a new deal, but their old one hasn't run out. Um, it's been all virtual learning. There's, it's been terrible there's no one learning people in Providence have told me a lot of the kids sign on for the first class and then they go on for the day and um but now the question is does Dan McKee want to go to a full-scale war against the teachers union as as he's uh he's he's trying to get elected next year and <laughs> I mean and now he has afonte green who he inherited um and she just got a vote of no confidence but I, I will just tell you, you know, if uh, in any negotiation, a, a big part of it is, is just you you got to know where you are in the game. That's why I asked the question. You know, if you're if you're trying to buy a new car and you feel that you're close on the price and then you're turns out like you're way off on how much they're willing to sell it for and so forth. It's it's just like a big part of it. So I don't know what that was all about. But if the teachers wanted to take a no confidence vote last October. I think, Justin, that goes back to when she was trying to force them back into the classroom.
0: Probably. I mean, she. Yeah. I, and You know, I on the McKee, I think it's a big decision he's going to have to make very it soon. Is. It's it's entirely possible. I mean, I, I it'd be a little bit of a, not a little bit. It'd be a big risk, but it's entirely possible if he if he put a stake in the ground and said, I'm the guy who's going to stand up against this it's entirely possible people will come out of the woodwork and vote for him to get him over the line because a lot of people are just watching this not only the unions but the progressives roll over everything and feeling powerless and so it might actually be to his benefit to just say you know what that's it we're done with this but as i say it would be a risk
1: one last thought as i'm thinking of it i wonder if somehow governor raimundo uh Last that would be I'm going to try to find that out. Or maybe Dave McGowan. if if they wanted to take a no confidence vote last October, I, I wonder if somehow Governor Mundo reached out to that Randy Weingarten and asked her for them not to take the no confidence vote then, because as we know, she was already maybe thinking, hey, if Biden gets in, I could uh, you know become some some role in the administration, which she has. It's all worked out for her. Uh, McKee was uh, certainly left a mess. All right. We have a lot to cover, folks. Our segment is Politics This Week with Justin Katz, managing editor of OceanStateCurrent.com. It's John DePietro. We're going to take a quick break. A lot more right here on the John DePietro Show. MEGA truck and trailer repair. Call them today. Commercial trailers, diesel equipment, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 508-336-2110. 508-336-2110 from Miga, MEGA, M-E-G-A. And also, ABS repairs, brakes, doors. Listen, if it's on a trailer, Mega Truck and Trailer Repair, they can repair it. Call them today, 508-336-2110, 508-336-2110. It's Mega Truck and Trailer Repair. Have you been thinking about updating your website? Do you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business? This winter, you can depend on Henry Oil. Call them today, 401-521-0200. Make Henry Oil. Make the switch. Make Henry Oil your reliable, affordable fuel oil delivery company. 401-521-0200. Residential, commercial, fuel oil delivery. Fuel oil, diesel, gasoline. Reliable, affordable fuel oil delivery It's Henry Oil, serving most of Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass. Call them today, 401-521-0200. Remember, with Henry Oil, automatic delivery, budget plans, service contracts, lock and cap pricing. Check out their website, henryoil.com, or call them today, 401-521-0200. Henry oil since 1947. They have a great family history and they are just terrific. You can depend on Carmine and Lori and the great folks at Henry oil. Call them today. 401-521-0200. Check them out online at henryoil.com. residential and commercial fuel oil delivery, service contracts, budget plans, reliable, affordable fuel oil delivery serving most of Rhode Island and Southeastern mass. It's Henry Oil. Call them 401-521-0200. This winter, I'm asking you to switch to Henry Oil online at HenryOil.com. Our segment is politics this week. With me is Justin Katz, managing editor of OceanStateCart.com. Justin, uh, speaking of Governor McKee, um, I'd like uh, he he did it. A pre- I thought it was pretty good interview with newsmakers over the weekend. Uh, I was I was impressed. And um, I'd like his his position that if you try to have a moratorium on charter schools, that's not improving education. It's not improving education. He certainly seems ready for war. He even said that he would veto if they actually passed that through. But I'd like to hear your impression of um of how he was and came across in that interview on uh, Newsmakers with Tim White and Ted Nisi.
0: I thought it was uh, I thought it was, it was good watching. I mean, you could see he started out kind of tentative but as uh, Nisi and, and Tim White pushed him into a corner on a charter thing uh, he started to really strengthen or actually was he, they started pushing him on the vac- vaccine teachers but as they were became more contentious he became more solid I, by the end I thought he as as you say I was I was more impressed with him by the end because he, he started yeah. to please kind of stand up to them on that charter thing and it, it did strike me the difference in tone uh, when they were questioning him on charter schools versus everything else where he's kind of giving into progressives and that sort of thing really i i thought was was telling you know tim white said well can you really apply the cumberland's lesson with charter schools? right places with different cbas and he tim didn't define cbas that's collective bargaining that's these teachers unions that are destroying education and yet yep. on, to tim white that's just part of the landscape you've got to you've got to accept that they're different in every town so i i, I was encouraged that mckee would at least stand up on, on that particular issue. I mean, that, some kind of backbone was, was very nice to see on that, but but I did find it very, the contrast of at least that segment where they were talking about um, charter schools, the contrast of the questioning of him versus Raimondo uh, was, was very telling. And I, I hope we see more of that contrast where where he really exposes the, the local media as the progressives they are. Um, but yeah. so it could be interesting in the future.
1: I I agree with that, and I want I recognize it's tough for people listening that didn't see it, but uh, you you just hit on something that was interesting, Justin, and that was it was a way, and and I thought he was diplomatic about it, but he was almost kind of chiding them to say don't take their talking points and accept them as fact because they were pushing back of oh well you can't you know because now we're hearing that's what the the unions are 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 saying you know, to those guys, which is you can't take the same formula you used in Cumberland and then use it somewhere else. And he had to push back that Cumberland is not going broke over it. Lincoln's not going broke over it. Uh, yeah. But we heard that their budget is and um, is, is in distress. And he said they've always been like that. You know what else he was good that he pushed back on is uh, the rep that was feeding them the media, the talking points had said that the head of the charter school was getting like $400,000 a year. And Governor McKee jumped in on that and said that's completely false. I, um, I thought it was refreshing, and I haven't seen someone basically say, go back and tell whoever was feeding you that information <laughs> that they're wrong, and I'm telling you how you can counter what they told you with those talking points.
0: Yeah, I thought, especially that question about the uh, salary for the, the charter school head, I thought was, was very embarrassing for Ted Nisi. I mean, he followed up on it and he said well I don't, I don't know if it's true and <laughs> McKee said I'm on the board it's true <laughs> that what they're telling you is false I just the idea that they're they were really going after him on the charter thing and apparently didn't really know what they were talking about so I, I think that's that's a, a very telling development it was there was something similar later on where bizarrely to me uh, Ted Niy made a big deal out of the fact that three of the ten lieutenant governor possibilities are for, pro, pro, uh, for, for. pro-life Democrats yes. as if yes. that is the most important question about the 10 people well, I mean, who's feeding them this stuff and I know someone pointed that out I, I had a different
1: take on it but I'll let you finish the point um I don't know about like the most important but I, I I didn't take it the way you did I'm not saying it's not significant and folks again it was on newsmakers channel 12 it's Tim White Ted Nisi and they asked him uh, that of his top ten, four someone pointed out to them four of them happened to be pro life I think um, I think uh, justin that this this though demonstrates that McKee, the different type of Democrat, uh, I took it as there, there are some people that would use that as a litmus test to even be considered that he's not using that as a litmus test. I think Governor Amundo or some others they wouldn't have anyone in their top ten who was pro- life that's the way i took
0: it I, possibly i mean they okay. but they could have i mean there are any number of issues i mean how many of them are pro-gun control how many of them want socialist health care you know who the the idea that that's the issue for a lieutenant governor of all positions you're not talking health and human services or anything like that this is just the lieutenant governor i just struck me as just so completely as if as if you know ted nisi saying i know my audience and I'm gonna I'm gonna feed them progressive perspective here, and that, that's kind of how I took it. Um, but on, on other things in the interview, I, I thought also, uh, McKee's hand, at least the way he's talking about the federal money, uh, is not does feel like a bit of a difference from Raimondo, Uh, You know, with the we're, especially he made some points about making sure we don't we don't take the federal stimulus money or whatever you want to call it and build things into our budget that have to be. Come back and be funded the next year uh, after the last six, seven years. Or, and Chafee, that didn't seem like much of a consideration. It was just, oh, we're going to spend this, and if we have to spend it again the next year, then great, we'll just raise taxes on folks." Uh, so it was, it was nice to see some of that side of McKee as he, as he's getting his feet under him.
1: I um, we we can agree to disagree, but I see I view it as it is. There are some Democrats that have said you can't be a Democrat if you're pro-life. Uh, Jim Langevin for a long time was pro-life. And then it became very clear. If you want to remain with the Democrat Party, you can't be. So that's why uh, the other issues, the other issues to me have not been the litmus test that that uh, pro-life has become and the abortion issue has has become within the party. And they're they're just you know, there was a time that you had more pro-life Democrats. Bob Wigan was one. Jim Langevin was one. Now they're really just a handful up there. It's also, you know, when Harold Metz was defeated, I think that was one of the issues that they went after. So mm-hmm. it, it is significant. I don't think it does go to the same uh, level as some of those other issues that you mentioned. And it was someone that had pointed out, again, let, let's let talk about the list, though. What was your take on the top 10? Um, I, I think it's a top 10. That if someone, if so many people have been asked, put together top ten people that just a regular person would consider, or other people might consider, I think it's a much different top ten than uh, than the final list that we that that we saw.
0: Well, yeah, uh, I tend to look at these. I, I uh, maybe I'm just too cynical, but I, I I think this is all just a dog and pony show. This is just let me put together a list of a variety of almost like at the end of the interview, they asked him about uh, college basketball. Uh, to me, it's, it's almost the same. What's your top 10 list for college basketball? What's your top 10 for lieutenant governor? Oh, here are my 10. And, you, you know, cover a bunch of my bases. You got some, you know, two Providence uh, minorities. Uh, you've got the, the relatively conservative Democrats from from the northeastern part of the state. Uh, you know, you've got some legislative types, the dipama, uh even one Republican turned independent. Uh, so he, that's how I. I mean, I, I. I don't. I don't genuinely believe that there these ten candidates have an equal shot. I think it, it comes down to as we've been discussing Diosa and and Matos, and it's going to be a decision made on uh, on political grounds.
1: Now, let me just. I'm I'm intrigued by that. And again, folks, with Justin Katz, managing at Ocean State Justin, I take it that you don't like they asked him the basketball question at the
0: end. Is that correct? No, I didn't. I I don't mind it. Um, you didn't. I just well, I just, well, I just thought it thing. was a good connection I'll to you know this, it, that's about as to the bracket. Yeah, of a, the lieutenant this, governor. The lieutenant okay. governor is just about as as serious a question as basketball, and I I don't I don't believe this well, list is genuine. Right. I, I'll just
1: say one of the reasons I think it's thrown in. One of the reasons I have used that is. They can many times with someone, they can memorize everything in an interview for talking points for it. But then you ask them something outside of that. And it's a chance to, A, get a reflection on the person or B, um, you you know, it it just can illustrate that that they can only produce what they memorize. And good examples. High profile was when Katie Couric asked, you know, Sarah Palin said, "I, I read five to seven newspapers a day. And then she said, which, which ones? And she could only name USA Today. She couldn't even name five newspapers. She couldn't name Wall Street Journal, New York Times, what have you. Um, or, or in that situation, McKee may have, uh, you know, mentioned a school that's not even in, in the NCAA or, or something like that. There's always just, I remember when I was on the air in Boston and, and Romney did this big press briefing about the, the tea and blah, blah, blah. And then a reporter said, Hey, Governor, what does it cost to ride the T? And he didn't he didn't even know what it cost to ride the T. And it was one of those things they just hadn't prepped him for. So I could see where someone says, why are they asking that? But I always take it as it's a way to kind of – that's why you ask you know, the question of, do you watch a lot of television? And someone says, yeah, I, I watch a lot of TV. And you say, what's your favorite show? And then they can't even name a show. Or I read a lot of fiction. what What are you reading now? And then they can't name a book. Um, it, it's more of a way I find to just try to, uh, you know, either and not catch them, but just hear them in something that wasn't rehearsed talking points. Yeah. So I, that's
0: that's the way I, I could see that. It. I mean, I, I was thinking the other day of uh, when somebody asked George W. Bush, President George W. Bush, his favorite philosopher. and He said, Jesus, you know, that sort of question yes. is. I mean, I've I've read a whole lot of philosophy. I've studied it. But if you said, who's your favorite philosophy I, philosopher? I'd say what kind of question is that I mean, I, I take their ideas and I go about my life I don't, I'm not sitting here I'm not a, an academic so maybe I mean if I were asked as governor of the basketball question I'd say I don't know I don't follow this stuff I have a job to do but I, you know so it's, I don't know there's kind of those as a spectator those kind of gotcha questions are kind of you know you yeah, put them in a position I, I don't have you. a position I do have a position what do I say I'm trying to get elected it, and you're asking me if I watch a lot of tv yeah uh, yeah I well, watch some but tv it, I don't know
1: uh, well, just to try to get a sense, again, of the real yeah, person. No, I mean, you know, that George W. Bush question, though, I remember that vividly. It was in a debate, and it, it it really gave insight to him because the the real answer was Jesus. And he said, because it, it speaks to my heart. Uh, there, there were, that, that's the way I remember it. There, there were a lot of people that afterwards felt that was the most insight that you got to him of just how much religion had played a fundamental role in his life. So... Again, I can see it, it's more sometimes just to try to have them give an unscripted answer as opposed to many times when you're doing these interviews. Again, my experience is it's a lot of it talking points. and oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, folks, we're going to take a quick break. A lot more. Justin Katz, Managing Editor, com, right here on the John DiPietro Show. The heating season is here. Folks, you need to call J.K.L. Engineering today. J.K.L. 401 351 Let J.K.L. Engineering design and install a natural gas high efficiency carrier infinity system. The energy efficient, quiet, more affordable, than you think? If you think no gas, hey, guess what? No problem. Let J.K.L. Engineering design and install a high efficiency heat pump system, including ductless splits. Heats in the winter, cools in the summer. These units are so efficient. Reduce your oil bill by as much as 90%. They have the highest rebates of the market, And they also do new installation and replacement of high-efficiency gas boilers. JKL is a carry factory authorized dealer, licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. You know, for over 50 years, JKL's reputation is second to none, especially for technical expertise, customer satisfaction. JKL is an approved national grid BPI installer. JKL is also a Navian certified factory dealer called JKL. Estimates of free financing is available. 401-351-7600. Rhode Island, Massachusetts, it's J.K.L. Engineering. 401-351-7600.
2: 321 2799 That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com.
1: While the pandemic rages on, you need to stay healthy. You need to take care of your health. You need to stop in and see Marie. And it's my health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Right across from Davenport Restaurant. Call Marie. I call her the queen of health. 401 401- 305 3585 you've seen the her store it's right in that old white church it's my health because folks it's about your health 1099 mendon road in cumberland shop local stop it and see marie what do we have well vitamins herbal remedies trusted companies who understand quality integrity local products like the incredible acai berry she also has honey maple syrup marie at it's my health 1099 Mendon Road in Cumberland right across from Davenport restaurant has over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices that can be purchased by the ounce, plus box herbs and teas. The service is the best, plus hemp and CBD products, plus massage therapy, reflexology, Pilates. Folks, stop it and see her. It's my health because it's about your health and staying healthy and children's vitamins 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. You can call her at 401-305-3585. Stop in and see Marie And It's My Health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland, right across from Davenport Restaurant. Because remember, it's your health. Stop in and see Marie at It's My Health. Our segment is Politics This Week. With me is managing editor, OceanStateCard.com, Justin Katz. Justin, there's um, a lot of talk right now. And in, in, um, if you could touch on, there's uh, Blake Filippi. They're really going to the mat on this climate uh, climate bill that they're trying to push through up at the statehouse. And I believe the Rhode Island Center for Freedom and Prosperity has has written about it and kind of enlightened people a little bit about what it's all about. Right.
0: Well, this is uh, kind of over the weekend became a big surge, this bill 5445 in the House. Um, And there are a a few posts on this on the Ocean State Current right now. Uh, But basically, uh, for years, we've sort of played, legislators have sort of played the game of pushing along climate, i mean they do this on a number of issues but pushing on climate change stuff with here's a commission we're going to study it we're going to look into it and now the progressives are feeling a big surge of power and they're they're trying to give that the phrase everybody is using as if it was handed down is they're trying to give that teeth and so some of it's just i mean it's i want to go so far as to say this is not american legislation uh for one thing there's there's identity politics built into it where they'll be specifically seeking to create, the government will be specifically seeking to create and give jobs to people in the minority categories, the ideology categories, uh, you know, all of those disabilities, minority women, and all that stuff. Um, and then the, the real crux of this is that it will give uh, people the ability, even residents, even uh, to my reading, out of state. Uh, people, activists who set up a legal entity in the state, and that doesn't take much to do, um, will have the ability to sue not only government, but and it's kind of vague in the bill, but non-government entities. So you're you're almost talking where uh, an out-of-state activist group could sue a Rhode Island company for not uh, not fulfilling a regulation that has been imposed uh, on on people. So it's it's really a kind of a terrifying step. Uh, that our legislature appears prepared to take, at least on the house side. Uh, so the yeah, the, as you mentioned, the Rhode Island Center for Freedom and Prosperity has a has a tool on their site that you can on our site that you can go and and send a, an email to House leaders and and the governor, telling them not to pursue this because it is really bad news.
1: And not only that, um, just you know, this is one of those things they that. A lot of things i think this is one of the real last dangers of well it's a danger of covid and that is the fact that people can't go up to the state house uh they they can't fully engage uh it's it's a difficult time right now because in many ways things could kind of flow through and stream right through we don't we have a speaker who uh is an unknown and he's it's his first time having his first session so it's not one of those situations Mattiello used to slow everything down to a crawl and nothing would hit for a vote unless you know he was fully on board with it um, we don't know that yet about uh speaker sakachi justin katz what about some of the other bills that are floating around up there we're hearing you know on friday uh these uh the gun legislation they seem to be being more aggressive the the voting i think that to me is the most dangerous one that they uh, are trying to get out of committee or they did get out of committee but the voting bills up at the state house need to be watched. Any other um, bills or legislation that you're watching? Right well, now?
0: I, I, on an overall picture of the whole thing, I think you're you put your finger on it where things are difficult in COVID. And I know in, in yeah. local, especially town community, I know in, in Tiverton, for example, they have a public hearing. They don't even put the person's video on. They get to talk in audio for three minutes on a public hearing. Uh, and really, you're just you don't even have to look your your constituents in the eye when it comes to that, I, I'm not sure if the general assembly has gone that far, but the a responsible government, you would think would say, you know what, a lot of businesses are closed. Churches are at smaller capacity. We should follow suit. Let's not do anything major in this situation. Instead it's, it's almost right. the opposite. And so, as you, you mentioned the gun bills uh, you know, uh, this representative Caldwell and East Greenwich, big, far left progressive, yes. really pushing, oh. pushing this stuff. Uh, and, you know, it's the thing that struck me about that is you get the law, the state and and Providence police departments all referencing uh, the civil unrests and protests and how they're being outgunned and it, it made me wonder where are the defund the police people? I mean he's basically saying uh, protesters are starting to scare us. We need to take their guns away. You'd think that the the that would start to bring together a, a coalition of of. Formerly progressive folks saying, "No, no, 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 we we, we support our right to bear arms and protest," um, and so a lot of it. And it you know it strikes me as between the the environmental one we just talked about and this gun one we're talking about now, a lot of this stuff is really, it's literally just progressive fantasy stuff as far as Rhode Island is concerned. There's no pressing need. As as I think it was Representative Trippendale, Republican, pointed out, Rhode Island covers such a small portion of the planet and produces so little of our, of the, the exhaust that this almost has no. This has no effect on the environment. What we do in Rhode Island, and so right. it's it's not Correct. an urgent message. And the same thing with the crime. Rhode Island, as we discussed, I think it was last week. The uh, U.S. News had bumped Rhode Island down in its list of states. But one area where we do pretty well is actually we don't have a lot of crime. So this is not an urgent ma- matter here. And yet they're pushing no. it like it is. It's purely just progressive list stuff. And I, I that's that's kind of it's discouraging that they're doing this especially in the heart of of uh covid but i think they see it as opportunity and i think the one you point out the voting bills i mean basically what I want to do is just a collection of things lower the ba- the barrier to to do mail ballots uh they want to expand early voting and allow same day registration so you can go register and I oh. mean, to me it's it's it's, it's just lunacy you can't you, they, yeah. as if they're not even thinking of the consequences or they or I mean for, for example you could go back to ancient Greece where they learned you know what direct democracy is dangerous because the crowd can flip back and forth and what, what makes me yep. Really starts to make me worried about these bills. Is these activists? They're plugged in. They're plugged. the Common cause. ACLU. They're plugged into to to the left, progressive billionaires, and all of that system. They they must be thinking this through to some extent because they they've got to realize. All right, if we if we make this a thing, the political winds shift one year. I mean, they all feel like Donald Trump was the big uh, demagogue, right? You get somebody like that in Rhode Island, you could have this this democracy flip on a dime. They but they don't seem concerned about that. They don't it's as if they think, well, we'll be able to just cheat our way through that, which is in its own in its own way dangerous. And to me that's probably what they're thinking is once we have this out, we, we control it. We can we can just cheat essentially and and harvest yes. ballots to, to always win. But eventually yes. if you're really not reflecting the will of the people people will start to pick up on that and so to me the voting bills they're they're putting us on a path toward both tyranny and violence because ultimately people are going to say if i can't vote these crazy people out of office then i'm just going to have to start fighting or start cheating in the ballot box myself and i i think they're really just really reckless but it's just this this list of a wish list of uh progressive causes now on the good side what i hope Sometimes we've seen this in the past, where the Senate will pass some bills, the House will pass some bills, and then they'll they won't pass each other's bills, so the bills die, and they can both. And then the next year they'll flip, so they can both say, "Yeah, I, I voted for that," um, and it, but it didn't get through. That's a possibility. Some of this stuff may may run into that wall, but it, it'd be so nice if they would just slow it down to some extent and just not to take control of the process but just to, to kind of respectfully say everything is crazy this year let's not do anything dramatic
1: it's the off years that you have to worry about the legislation yeah. because people need to realize that like next year they're up for re-election again that's when then they go hesitant to put something through that could they would then hear about when they go door to door it's the it's the off the off year legislation you have to worry about, folks. Our segment is politics this week with me It's Justin Katz, managing editor OceanStateCurrent.com. Justin, um, finally, with the vaccine, I find uh, that, that it, it, to me it kind of re- reminds me of when parts of the state lose power. Uh, for instance, if if let's just say if Warwick lost power in Cranston, that didn't. If you're in Cranston, life is normal. You're going about your business. If you're in Warwick and you lost power, you know, sitting next door, everything comes to a stop. You can't you're going to throw out everything in your refrigerator. You don't have lights on at night. Um, To me, the vaccine has become the one of the reasons they're not concerned about it is the people up on the stage at these briefings. They've received the vaccine. Their families have. They're less concerned about it. As much as it's a major problem, I still think that over the next three to four weeks, so much vaccine will flood into the state that it's not even going to matter that they they really drop the ball with this process of the appointments.
0: Yeah, I I think so, too. Um, I I think my expectation is we're going to go very quickly. And actually, I think McKee mentioned this on Newsmakers. We're going to go very quickly from this kind of sense of, of desperation that nobody can get an appointment to suddenly they've got more vaccine than people actually want. Um, yeah. So I, I suspect sure. that's coming up, and I, I do think some a lot of it has to do with as you mentioned, you know, if you're if the power goes out on a Quidnunc Island, for example, people who live there to them yep. we are living in a, a third world country. Oh. But to everybody else in the state, yes. everything's normal, and it, it's even even that short right. distance you can have a very different reality. Uh, so I suspect once they start yeah. to get. Uh, especially once they start to get the older folks fully vaccinated. That was one of the questions uh, I think was Ted Nisi brought up was uh, he's hearing from people who are in their fifties saying, well, why are we in the same bucket as the 16 year olds? So once, once those older folks who who really want it can get it um, now that'll change if, if, our government does something foolish, in my view, like uh, create restrictions if you didn't get it. You know, if, if kids can't go back to school because right. they didn't get vaccinate, vaccinated, that kind of thing, that would be devastating to me. And I think that that will create more, more, will continue these problems and, and not for any good purpose.
1: Folks, he's the managing editor OceanstateCurrent.com, Justin Katz, Justin, great job. Stay safe and well. Yeah. Mega logistics. They're there to help you. Give them a call today, 401-431-2300. M-E-G-A, MEGA Logistics. If you have freight, you need freight, goods, third-party brokers for your company, your housing and transportation. How about custom freight, supply chain management, routing, bill auditing, customer developing, proven track record with Fortune 500 companies. You can depend on MEGA MEGA Logistics. Call them today, 401 401- 431 2300. 401 431 2300. Does that sound like your company? Maybe you have freight or you need freight goods, third party brokerage, warehousing, transportation, custom freight. They have the experience. Call them today. MEGA Logistics 401 431 2300. Folks, remember for all your tree service, sixty twenty eight four three nine sixty twenty eight whether it's tree removal stump grinding tree pruning emergency service bucket truck service and bobcat service since 2006 they've been performing tree removal service on top of that nothing stumps yankee tree service they provide stump grinding enjoy your landscape without the eyesore as far as pruning well let them get up there oftentimes a tree can be pruned instead of cutting it down At Yankee Tree Service, their licensed arbiters help you decide what's best, the treatment plan for your tree. And maybe it's an emergency service. Did something come down? Call them today, 439-6028, 439-6028. If they have to, they get right up there in the bucket. Yankee Tree Service, since 2006, tree trimming experts. Give them a call, 439-6028, or online at yankeetreeservice.com.